Thank you for listening, but please don't just believe shit you hear on podcasts. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. This is episode 99 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting or important that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about how they, them used to be strictly used as singular pronouns, and how you used to be strictly used as a plural pronoun, a feedback loop that may be reached in the Amazon, 2,000 year old rock carvings discovered due to extreme drought, where all the snow crabs disappeared to, a mass die-off of pink river dolphins, and how a single injection of a gene therapy is providing hearing to children who were born without. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. I seriously do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you'll find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. Language evolves. It always has and it always will. Why do the ignorant and the bigots refuse to accept this? The singular they is older than the plural you. If you think using they, them is warping the English language, that just shows your lack of education in the history of said English language. Why make claims on something you have never ever studied? Because hate and bigotry, that's why those who are not looking for reasons to hate refer to the experts. They, them continued to be used as strictly a singular descriptor until Shakespearean times. You was strictly used as a plural descriptor until the 1600s. In fact, in 1660, the founder of Quakerism wrote a book about how using you as a singular pronoun was wrong. Religious people were obsessed with pronouns even then, but in the opposite direction. Today we have no problem using you as either a singular pronoun or a plural pronoun. Nobody has any issues with it whatsoever, despite the warnings from religious people that it was going to destroy the English language, just like they're saying today. It's astounding how they keep forgetting and repeating history. In 1795, the outrage continued as Lindley Murray's popular grammar textbook insisted that thou was singular and you was plural, and that was that. Gendered pronouns such as she, he, and hers, his did not first appear in writing until 1375 and did not become commonplace until the late 16th, early 17th centuries. English literature has used they, them as a singular for centuries. Maybe you just never read English literature. That doesn't mean it hasn't been there all along. The problem is with your lack of education. Shakespeare and Jane Austen both used they, them as singulars. They, them were also used as singulars in the Canterbury Tales. Those who have a problem with these uses, those who call it destroying the English language, those folks aren't educated on the history of the English language. Those people should shut their uneducated mouths and refer to those who have been educated in these matters. 
Those who have a problem with these uses have also used they, them as a singular themselves and half the time don't even realize it. An example provided to me by Kathy Rayner, the person who provided me with the brief violent femmes fiddle riff I use as an in-betweener, goes like this. Someone knocks at the door. Person one goes to answer it and comes back to the kitchen where person two is. Person two asks, who is at the door? Person one responds, I don't know. They were gone by the time I got there. End scene. Everyone has done this at some point because it is natural to use they, them when the gender is unknown. It really is that simple. It has been all along because we are lazy. We always come up with quicker ways to get points across. Simply put, it's easier to say they than it is to say she or he. It's easier to say them than it is to say her, him. And so we do. And so we always have. For as long as anyone who can hear this has been alive, they, them has been used in place of she or he and her or him. It was never an issue until the hateful people, mostly far-right Christians, made it an issue. The issue isn't with a changing language. The issue is based in ignorance and bigotry. Period. The use of they, them as a plural didn't even come along until the 13th century. The great majority of writers and even major publications today always have and always will accept the singular they. The only outrage here is from the hateful. The only outrage is from those who are anti-LGBT. Look at the facts before you start believing bullshit about destroying the English language. Be skeptical, damn it. A couple things about the Amazon today. The Amazon forest is the largest tropical rainforest on Earth, and it stores more than 120 billion tons of carbon. This means that if it dies, all of that carbon will be released into the air. This kind of addition could very well supercharge climate change. I think most of us understand that the Amazon forest has a major role in this planet's climate regulation. Destruction of the Amazon tends to be from deforestation and wildfires, but more recently, it's the rising temperatures that are killing off plant life. Recent research published in Science Advances has shown that the tipping point is getting very close and large parts of the Amazon may turn into savanna ecosystems which don't tend to hold a lot of life. A tipping point is a threshold which once crossed leads to a feedback loop which will cause things to get exponentially worse. For the Amazon, when parts of the forest begin to turn into completely different environments, this feedback loop will begin. As parts die and become savanna areas, more carbon will be emitted, further warming and further limiting water resources. So more will die and become savanna, sending more carbon into the air, further warming and further limiting water resources. So more will die and etc, etc, until there's nothing but savanna left in the Amazon. Another factor is the moisture normally evaporated off of leaves. This evaporation from billions of leaves causes a lot of the rainfall. Less plant surviving means less leaves, means less moisture to evaporate off of said leaves, means less rainfall, means more dryness, means more plant death, means less leaves, means less evaporation, means less rainfall. And again, this just goes on and on. Now, this is not a good thing, but because of the current situation in the Amazon, 2,000-year-old rock carvings are being revealed to modern eyes for the first time. As the Amazon River reaches its lowest point in 121 years, massive amounts of rock and sand are being exposed, revealing carvings from prehistoric times. 
These kinds of discoveries always give me mixed feelings. There's that wonder and amazement of laying one's eyes on something so old. But then there's the reason it was found. Not worth it, really. Ten million snow crabs disappeared from the Bering Sea off the coast of Alaska between 2018 and 2021, reaching record low counts. There's been all sorts of speculation as to the cause, but a study published in the October 2023 issue of the journal Science may have found the answer. Surprise! It's climate change. Many parts of the world suffered what I saw described as marine heat waves over the last year. Evolving with the climate is something that takes hundreds to thousands of years. Because of how fast it's warming right now, marine life built for colder environments can't adjust. There's no opportunity for them to evolve with a gradual change because this is not a natural gradual change. This is human-caused climate change, and this planet is warming at a faster rate than ever before, discounting major events like meteors, volcanic activity, or major movements of land, of course. So this heat wave has caused a mass die-off of species physically built for a cooler climate, and these happen to be the organisms that snow crabs eat. It's believed now that the dwindling numbers have come about because they couldn't find enough food. And their food sources died out so fast that they also didn't have a chance to evolve, to adjust to other forms of nourishment. Also, another very important feature of snow crabs is that the warmer they get, the more they need to eat. So, on top of their food disappearing, they were warming up and having higher and higher requirements of intake. Like a double whammy that hit all at the same time. The poor fuckers didn't really have a chance. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration are calling it a fisheries disaster. Alaska used to expect around $150 million per year to be brought in through fisheries, a large part of this being the snow crabs. In the 21-22 season, they only brought in $24 million. That's like 16% of what it was before. What we're seeing here, and what we saw with the super hot waters in Florida this past summer, over the next couple years, more and more locations are going to be reporting similar problems due to warming oceans. Sorry to be a bummer, but the reality of it is, this is literally just the beginning. Another animal dying from the heat is the pink river dolphin. These beautiful creatures are a source of tourism income for the surrounding communities. They are a part of local legends and stories, and one day soon these stories may be the only way they're remembered. Growing up to 9 feet long and weighing over 350 pounds, pink river dolphins have a very slow reproductive system, which makes them extra vulnerable to threat. They are freshwater species and have been considered endangered for some time. Before this die-off, there were an estimated 1,400 in Lake Teff. At least 125 have died. That's nearly 10% of their total population. Cause is yet to be confirmed, but it's assumed that it's a combination of drought and heat conditions. They will, of course, make sure. Disease and toxins will still have to be ruled out. Researchers, vets, and conservationists are working together to get answers. Some are retrieving carcasses for tissue samples to analyze, while others are relocating possible sick dolphins to artificial pools for observation and possibly rehabilitation. Temperatures in Lake Teff reached 102 Fahrenheit in late September. That's 39 Celsius, which is more than 10 degrees Celsius higher than normal for this time of year. This declined for just a few days and then went right back up to 37. This is said to be a good temperature for soup, not a body of water containing an ecosystem. When water gets too warm, dolphins can get disoriented and will swim in circles until they die from lack of oxygen. 
the longer temperatures are at these levels, the more will certainly be dying. Oh, and it's not just the river dolphins. Thousands of fish have also died in this area. But the river dolphins are the ones that are endangered and the ones relied upon for the health of the local ecosystem as well as local economy. Another issue is that when this much death happens all at once, the natural decay system can't handle it fast enough and we end up with contamination and smell. If someone is born with two defective copies of the gene for a protein called oterferlin, they are born without hearing. This protein is required to be functional for the inner ear hair cells to be able to transmit sound to the brain. This is one of those genetic qualities which only take one good working gene to be okay. But a person only gets two, and if both are defective, the person is deaf. It's a definite genetic issue, and genetic issues are a problem we are solving at a greater rate every day. Gene therapy for the deaf in particular is being worked on by several groups all over the world. And in one case, there has been some pretty amazing successes. Viruses which are harmless to humans were equipped with the DNA for a working copy of the Otaferlin gene. A small incision was made behind the ear of each patient, around the same location where a cochlear implant would be embedded. With a cochlear implant, the sound is different. One has to relearn hearing, and there's a tinniness to the sound. An amazing bit of progress, but not a restoration of actual hearing. This gene therapy, however, one injection. That's all it takes. One injection of a virus carrying the DNA for a working copy of the Otaferlin gene behind the ear, and today four of the five kids can hear. Are you kidding me? Anyone out there who is anti-science or says they don't believe in science, this is what science gives us. This is fucking incredible. Children are hearing for real, not artificial sounds interpreted by an implant, but real hearing is being provided to these kids who were born deaf. The scientific method and those who dedicate their lives to using it in their research are the true heroes of humanity. And I dare anyone to challenge me on that. That's it for today. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project almost four years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And of course, thank you to the Palmer household for being my rocks. This is my semi-annual break time, so instead of two weeks, I hope you will choose to join me again in four weeks for episode, holy shit, 100 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok. And under LTE Pod on Blue Sky, Hive, tribal and twitter there's also a patreon at patreon.com slash living through extinction there you can earn stickers pins masks and more as well as help you plant some trees if you have any comments corrections questions or suggestions please email them to living through extinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias 